guys, another week has arrived, which means more stories are on the way to you. Things have been quiet this past week. I am still working from home for my job. My cats are still chasing after each other every day, and the coronavirus number is still climbing. Out of those three, the only thing I hope for changes is COVID-19. I am dying for the return of the normal everyday lives we all lived in. The only thing we can do now is to social distance and wait it out. Doing nothing is what helps most at this moment. Now, let's get to the story. himself in the neighborhood of the asteroids 325-326-327-328-329 and 330. He began, therefore, by visiting them in order to add to his knowledge. The first of them was inhabited by a king clad in royal purple and ermine. He was seated upon a throne which was at the same time both simple and majestic. Ah, here is a subject, exclaimed the king when he saw the little prince coming. And the little prince asked himself, how could he recognize me when he had never seen me before? He did not know how the world is simplified for kings. To them, all men are subjects. Approach, so that I may see you better, said the king, who felt consumingly proud of being at last a king over somebody. The little prince looked everywhere to find a place to sit down, but the entire planet was crammed and obstructed by the king's magnificent ermine robe. So he remained standing upright, and, since he was tired, he yawned. It is contrary to etiquette to yawn in the presence of a king, the monarch said to him. I forbid you to do so. I can't help it. I can't stop myself, replied the little prince, thoroughly embarrassed. I have come on a long journey and I have had no sleep. Ah, then, the king said, I order you to yawn. It is years since I have seen anyone yawning. Yawns, to me, are objects of curiosity. Come, now, yawn again. It is an order. That frightens me. I cannot anymore murmured the little prince, now completely abashed. Hmm, hmm, replied the king. Then I, I order you sometimes to yawn, and sometimes to... He sputtered a little, and seemed vexed. For what the king fundamentally insisted upon was that 
his authority should be respected. He tolerated no disobedience. He was an absolute monarch. But because he was a very good man, he made his orders reasonable. If I ordered a general, he would say, by way of example, if I ordered a general to change himself into a seabird, and if the general did not obey me, that would not be the fault of the general. It would be my fault. May I sit down? Came now a timid inquiry from the little prince. I order you to do so. The king answered him, and majestically gathered in a fold of his ermine mantle. But the little prince was wondering. The planet was tiny. Over what could this king really rule, sire? He said to him, "I beg that you excuse me, asking you a question. I order you to ask me a question." The king hastened to assure him, "Sire, over what do you rule?" "Over everything," said the king, with magnificent simplicity. Over everything, the king made a gesture, which took in his planet, the other planets, and all the stars. Over all that, asked the little prince. Over all that, the king answered, for his rule was not only absolute, it was also universal. And the stars obey you. Certainly they do," the king said. "They obey instantly. I do not permit insubordination. Such power was a thing for the little prince to marvel at. If he had been master of such complete authority, he would have been able to watch the sunset, not forty-four times in one day, but seventy-two, or even a hundred. Or, even two hundred times, without ever having to move his chair, and because he felt a bit sad, as he remembered his little planet, which he had forsaken, he plucked up his courage to ask the king a favor. I should like to see a sunset. Do me that kindness. Order the sun to set. If I ordered a general to fly from one flower to another like a butterfly, or to write a tragic drama, or to change himself into a seabird, and if the general did not carry out the order that he had received, which one of us would be in the wrong? The king demanded. The general, or myself. You, said. The little prince firmly. Exactly. One must require from each one the duty which each one can perform. The king went on. Accepted authority rests first of all on reason. If you ordered your people to go and throw themselves into the sea, they would rise up in revolution. I have the right to require obedience. Because my orders are reasonable, then my sunset. The little prince reminded him 
before he never forgot a question once he had asked it. You shall have your sunset. I shall command it. But, according to my science of government, I shall wait until conditions are favorable. When will that be? inquired the little prince. Hum, hum, replied the king. And, before saying anything else, he consulted a bulky almanac. Hum, hum, that will be about, about, that will be this evening, about twenty minutes to eight. And you will see how well I am obeyed. The little prince yawned. He was regretting his lost sunset. And then, too, he was already beginning to be a little bored. I have nothing more to do here, he said to the king, so I shall set out on my way again. Do not go, said the king, who was very proud of having a subject. Do not go. I will make you a minister. Minister of what? Minister of... of justice. But there is nobody here to judge. We do not know that, the king said to him. I have not yet made a complete tour of my kingdom. I am very old. There is no room here for a carriage, and it tires me to walk. Oh, but I have looked already, said the little prince, turning around to give one more glance to the other side of the planet. On that side, as on this, there was nobody at all. Then you shall judge yourself. The king answered, That is the most difficult thing of all. It is much more difficult to judge oneself than to judge others. If you succeeded in judging yourself rightly, then you are indeed a man of true wisdom. Yes, said the little prince, but I can judge myself anywhere. I do not need to live on this planet. Hum, hum, said the king. I have good reason to believe that somewhere on my planet there is an old rat. I hear him at night. You can judge this old rat. From time to time you will condemn him to death. Thus, his life will depend on your justice. But you will pardon him on each occasion, for he must be treated thriftily. He is the only one we have. I, replied the little prince, do not like to condemn anyone to death. And now I think I will go on my way. No, said the king. But the little prince, having now completed his preparations for departure, had no wish to grieve the old monarch. If your majesty wishes to be promptly obeyed, he said, he should be able to give me a reasonable order. He should be able, for example, to order me to be gone by the end of one minute. It seems to me that conditions are favorable. As the king made no answer, 
the little prince hesitated a moment. Then, with a sigh, he took his leave. I made you my ambassador," the king called out hastily. He had a magnificent air of authority. The grown-ups are very strange," the little prince said to himself, as he continued on his journey. Chapter Eleven. The second planet was inhabited by a conceited man. Aha! I'm about to receive a visit from an admirer. He exclaimed from afar when he first saw the little prince coming. For, to conceited men, all other men are admirers. Good morning. Said the little prince, "That is a queer hat you're wearing. It is a hat for salutes." The conceited man replied, "It is to raise in salute when people acclaim me. Unfortunately, nobody at all ever passes this way." Yes," said the little prince, who did not understand what the conceited man was talking about. Clap your hands, one against the other. The conceited man now directed him. The little prince clapped his hands. The conceited man raised his head in a modest salute. This is more entertaining than the visit to the king. The little prince said to himself, and he began again to clap his hands, one against the other. The conceited man again raised his head in salute. After five minutes of this exercise, the little prince grew tired of the game's monotony. And what should one do to make the head come down? He asked. But the conceited man did not hear him. Conceited people never hear anything but praise. Do you really admire me very much? He demanded of the little prince. What does that mean, admire? To admire mean that you regard me as the handsomest, the best dressed, the richest, and the most intelligent man of this planet. But you are the only man on your planet. Do me this kindness. Admire me just the same. I admire you," said the little prince, shrugging his shoulders slightly. But what is there in that to interest you so much? And the little prince went away. The grown-ups are certainly very odd," he said to himself, as he continued on his journey. Chapter Twelve. The next planet was inhabited by a tippler. 
this was a very short visit, but it plunged the little prince into deep dejection. What are you doing there? He said to the tippler, whom he found settled down in silence before a collection of empty bottles, and also a collection of full bottles. I'm drinking," replied the tippler, with a lugubrious air. "Why are you drinking?" demanded the little prince. "So that I may forget," replied the tippler. "Forget what?" inquired the little prince, who already was sorry for him. "Forget that I am ashamed," the tippler confessed. Hanging his head, ashamed of what, insisted the little prince, who wanted to help him. Ashamed of drinking, the tippler brought his speech to an end, and shut himself up in an impregnable silence. And the little prince went away, puzzled. The grown-ups are certainly very, very odd, he said to himself. As he continued on his journey, that's it for this week. I will see you next time. Good night. 晚安，周涛。